Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. First Peter chapter 1, we're in this series about Peter, uh, and uh, what I want to talk to you today, I'm going to read some stuff, and what I want to talk to you today about is useful or useless. Useful or useless, the church, the church, the choice is yours. Useful or useless, the choice is is yours. First Peter chapter 1, looking at verse 10. Uh, when you got it, say got it. got it. That was weak. Verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. I've told you this is grace to you. It's grace to you. It's grace and peace multiplied to you. That's what the Lord's doing in this series about Peter. It's grace to you. We're seeing the grace in Peter's life, so you know what's possible for your life. It's grace to you. And the saints of old, the prophets of old, prophesied grace to you. The people who God used to live and write this word, God had you in mind. So as we read his word, I want you to know everyone he, every testimony in the history and, and the, the lives of his word and how the Holy Spirit uh, moved to write the living word of God, which is the word of God. It's not the word of men. It's the word of God. They prophesied a grace. They, they were curious and searching, knowing that God, what God was doing in their life was more, was not just for them, but was for, for something else and, and for someone else. So when we read about these testimonies, and that's the thing about testimony, is what God's done in me is not going to stay with me. It's going to overflow to somebody else. And the grace that you walk in, the grace that they prophesied to you, and you step into that grace, and you start walking in that grace, you create your faith in grace, creates an overflow to spill into somebody else. If anybody agrees with that, say amen. amen. Verse 11, that's just one verse, and I could keep going on that one. Verse 11, searching of what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that will follow. Glories always will follow suffering. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, somebody say us, they were ministering the things which, we, which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel. Oh, somebody say gospel. To you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now, what, that means what God is doing, angels are like, man, that is interesting. Like, how is God taking this and making that? How is God, you know, doing this and doing that? How is he, hey, you, know, it's, it's, you know, it's like, wow, look, angels 
are like curious looking into, God, how do you take like some of the, the pain and shame and some of the sin and disobedience that's talked about in their lives, in my life, in your life? How, how does God take, you know, that and work it out for good? Work it out for gospel. Which gospel means good, the good news of God. That, the good news of God that releases and reveals the goodness of God. He's good. He's good. And angels are looking in. I just think if angels are looking into it, and they have no need of redemption, if angels are looking into it, maybe we should take a look into it. Just, I don't know, just a thought. Verse 13, therefore, gird up your loins. First time I read that, I thought it was lions. Gird up your loins. Of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. But uh, anybody has some ignorance days? Ignorant? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. But as he who called you is holy, also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. What he's saying there, for us disciples of Christ, what he's saying there is I am holy and I'm in you. Therefore, I have given you the capacity to be holy. Be holy. Be holy. Well, I, I can't. Well, if you yield to Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So before you do something, you need to ask, is that holy? And if it's not, then it's not God's will for my life. You can do it if you want to, but not God's will for my life. You say, yeah, but pastor, there's unholy things that have happened in your life and you've done it. Yep, but it's my, in my best interest to, to stop to stop with the excuses that lead to unholy living. And it's in my best interest to say there is a grace that has been prophesied to me. And I'm going to look into it. I'm going to step into it. And I'm going to say, Lord, you told me, you told me by your word that I can be holy as you are holy. Or I can be holy because you are holy. Because you live in me. So is it holy? If it's a yes, then let's do this thing. If it's not, Let's not. Um, I love this chapter. Verse 17. And if you call on the Father without partiality, judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout this time of your stay here in fear. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by traditions from your father, but meaning, meaning you were, you were uh, redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foredained before the foundation of the world and was manifest in these last times. Look at it for you, for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that, look at it, your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, obedience always purifies. 
through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and, it's, and the flower falls away or fades away, but the word of the Lord in endures forever. Now, this is the word by which the gospel, the good news, the goodness of God was preached. Look at it to you, to you. Therefore, I'm going to go just a little bit further. Therefore, laying aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I'm going to stop right there. And I'm going to kind of work from the, from the end to, to the end of this, back to the beginning of it, maybe. So here's, here's the thing that I want you to you see. Uh, anybody in here tasted and seen that the Lord is good? What that means is you've, you've, you've been able to partake of the goodness of God. See, listen, how do you partake of the goodness of God? Same way you partake of sin, except in the opposite direction. Disobedience is how you partake of sin. And sometimes that can taste good at first, but leaves a really bad aftertaste. Obedience is how you partake of the Lord. Matter of fact, obedience brings transformation. Disobedience is you conforming to the world. And so when you, when you talk about taste and see that the Lord is gracious, taste and see that the Lord is good, uh, that word is used other places in the Bible. And one of the other places it's used, if anyone who cares and thinks about this kind of stuff, is in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, where Jesus says, any of you who are weary and heavy laden, come, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And it goes through some things. He said, learn from me. You know, and he's, he's saying, take my yoke upon you. I'll teach you and I'll give rest to your souls is what he says. And then he, he says, for my yoke is easy. That word easy is the same word for good. What he's saying is, when the, de the definition of that word, my yoke is easy. The yoke of a rabbi is the mindset of a rabbi, the doctrine of a rabbi. We think of yoke with animals and two animals being, you know, an ox or an oxen or whatever you call them, linked together. You know, that's what we think when we think of yoke, and that's true agriculturally, but in a rabbi culture, the yoke of a rabbi is the doctrine and the mindset, the lifestyle of the, of the rabbi. So when he says, take my yoke upon you, is what he's saying is, let my mindset be in you. Let my life, my way of doing things be in you. That's what he's saying. And he said, my yoke is easy. What he's saying is, my yoke is good. Here's what that word means. My yoke is useful. It's useful. It'll help you out. Well, you don't know what I'm going through. I, yeah, I may not know what you're going through. He does. And I'm telling you, his word and his yoke will help you out. Ain't going to hurt you. It's going to help you out every single time. Well, Pastor, you, you don't, you know, I don't care what you're facing. I don't, it doesn't matter what you're facing. It does not matter what you're facing. I have never regretted obeying the Lord. I'm telling you, I regret every time I've disobeyed him. Every time.
There's promise to obedience and pain to disobedience. His word, the gospel, the gospel of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord is easy. This ain't hard. This ain't hard. I got choice A and I got choice B. I can do what I want or I can do what God wants. This ain't hard, y'all. This, yeah, I don't care how educated you is. This ain't hard. It's easy. It's good. It's useful. See, we go, we don't, we don't go from failure to failure to failure. We go from failure to faith. To faith to faith. Failure is hard. Failure is useless. But faith is useful. Faith is easy. And I'm going to tell you like they said in their storage. I didn't know they're going to share all that. I didn't know they're going to share all that. I forgot half the chaos they lived through. Because God's been so good to them. And, and so all of the realities that are painful and difficult and useless in your failure, when you decide to come to the Lord and say, God, I submit myself to you, I repent, I'm going to take your gospel, I'm going to take your goodness, and I'm going to submit myself to you. I'm going I'm to step into and grab hold of the grace that has been prophesied to me, and I'm going to repent and begin to walk in obedience, and I'm going to you know, love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with all my might and I'm going to walk in relationship with God, what will happen is, is he'll take the useless things in my failures and somehow work it to be useful in my faith. Only he can do that. As a pastor, I'm not good enough to do that. I can't do that. I can't come to you and take your failures. I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. I don't know what, sometimes I don't know what to do with my failures, much less yours much less all theirs and all, everybody's. I, I don't, you know, we all have failed greatly. But if we go from failure to faith and repent and we come say, Lord, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to put you first, God, and I want to walk in. I don't want to deny you anymore like Peter did. I don't want to deny you anymore. I don't want to walk in that anymore, God. I want to come to you and get, Lord, I love you. And when you have that kind of thing, that kind of attitude of, Lord, I want to put you first. I don't want to follow you in everything in my life. What he'll use, he'll use you to feed his sheep. And, and, and what he does is he, re, he redeems the food. He'll take the, he'll take the failure in your life and the useless things of your life and bring it over to make it useful. And he'll redeem it. And then you share your story, which, like they said, becomes his story. In, you know, to where you think, man, the impossible has now been made possible. And now my submission to the Lord and my surrender to him coming out of the lies that the enemy's telling me and my flesh is telling me and friends are telling me and coming back to the word of the Lord. Coming back to the word of the Lord, what happens, what happens is he takes the useless things and he can make them useful. And I'm going to tell you what happens 
when that happens, which makes you so powerful, makes us so powerful as a church. It's not the degrees of the pastor. Because the only degrees I got are on the thermometers at my house. It's not all the stuff that you have done. I'm going to tell you what makes us powerful as a church. Is our willingness to surrender to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As radically as we used to surrender to sin. We was real back here, real bad. And then we submit that realness. See, we don't just come to church. We don't just come and just come to church and go to Cracker Barrel. Because Chick-fil-A is disobedient on Sunday. <laughs> we don't just come to church and go home and get a little Jesus thing and go home. No, we were real in sin. So you didn't just go to the bar and just, just have a spritzer. And just go, you didn't just, no, when you, you was all in. How many was all in? Yeah. Uh, so you were real here, and you take that realness and the love that you had for sin, and you turn that, and you bring that love to God. All of it. All of it. All of it. And you bring it to him. You go from real bad to real good. Useless to useful. And you taste and see the Lord is good. And this is easy because in one person's life, you can see you can do it this way or you can do it this way. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. And, and what he's saying through the life of Peter is the enemy. This is just so cool to me. The enemy will regret the years and the things that he used to make you useless, he'll, he'll, he'll regret it. The enemy, your obedience makes the enemy regret your years of disobedience. Your laziness sitting in church and just going through the motions without passionately coming to God in faith. See, that this going to church in and out of itself can be useless, but coming in faith is useful. And God will take the useless things of your life and make the enemy regret those useless things because you submitted them to the goodness of God to make them useful. It's just incredible. It's incredible what God can do to a life that is yielded to him. It's incredible. And I just feel like God's speaking something right now to somebody. I feel like it's over here. I'm not. I'm just going to keep my eyes closed. So, your finances are an absolute mess. And you're thinking there's there's no hope for your finances. You're so far in over your head. You don't know which way is up and which way is down. And you've been believing the lies of the enemy. That God did this to you. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy did this to you. And you let him. 
And the Lord wants to redeem your finances. And out of your poverty, he wants to show you a prosperity. And if you would yield to him, he will use your life. And I feel like it's quickly. I feel like there's acceleration. That if you would trust the Lord, don't you dare love money. Love the Lord. Don't desire to be rich, desire to be blessed. There is a difference. The Lord wants to use your life. Because what you have is not a money problem. What you have is an obedience problem. You know, most people anticipate today based upon the failure and pain of yesterday instead of the promise of tomorrow. And I'm telling you what God can do. By the grace prophesied to you, he can take, the, he can take your uselessness and make it useful. And see, that's what it means. I'm going to share this and I'll get it out of your way. That's what it means. Gird up your loins. We don't talk like that. We don't, we don't like... How your loins doing? <laughs> your loins are looking good today, man. Got some good loins. We don't talk that way. We don't. <laughs> we don't even know what he's talking about. Like loins, what? You know, and those of us who you know hooked on phonics didn't work for us. Like I said, I'm like lions. Is that what with lions? I don't even know what he's talking about. Loins. You know, gird up your. Lo- First of all, gird. What are you talking about, gird? Gird up, man. <laughs> you know, we don't talk like that. So what he's saying, gird up your loins, what, he, what he's talking about is because this grace is prophesied to you, and what prophecy is, is a, is a little piece, a little seed of the finished promise of tomorrow given to you today so that you don't have to live today based on the anticipation and expectation of yesterday. You got a prophetic grace given to you that every day you keep going forward. Every day you keep going forward and you keep following the Lord going forward one day you look back you think wow but if you keep looking back you're going to live back and I'm not talking about just have a new beginning start forward and because you can lie to yourself say okay fine (laughs) I'm going to have a new beginning I'm going to have a new beginning I'm going to find purpose that's a waste of time that's useless What you need to do is, Lord, I submit to you. I end my life and I begin a new one with you being Lord, not me. Now, that's useful. Where your enduring word, see, his word is is eternal. See, your circumstances are temporary. His word is eternal. That prophesied grace of the thing that Jesus finished for you when he died on the cross, sealing the deal of a covenant relationship where all the promises in Christ, all the promises of God in Christ are yes. Yes and amen. Meaning yes and so be it. Because I'm going to grab a hold of this grace prophesied to me and I'm going to go, I'm going to little by little begin to possess this land and walk in the usefulness. See, God's word, his prophetic word, the word, the enduring word, even though it's new to me, is not new. It's been finished since the foundation of the world. It's been established forever in heaven. 
and my obedience makes it established in my life. So what's finished and fixed and eternal, the enduring eternal word of God, when I begin to yield myself to the word of God through a lifestyle of obedience motivated by love, then I activate the eternal uh, dimensions of God's grace that are fixed and finished in heaven. I establish them through obedience in my life, little by little by little by little. Faith to faith to faith, glory to glory to glory. When you sin or when I sin, again, I know that's once in a year, but when we do it, then we are, we are ignoring the grace of God in our life and we're letting the, the, the hell that we were freed from that is supposed to be you know, buried in our past, we bring life to it in our future and blame God for it. So the enduring word of the Lord is this word is going to outlast my friend's advice. This word is going to outlast that YouTube video that I saw. This word is going to outlast uh, the cultural thing that's buzzing right now. This word is going to outlast this four years of a political thing. This word is going to outlast everything that happens in the culture around me, whether I think it's good or whether I think it's bad. This word is finished from the beginning. It's before my before and it's after my after. And the grace of the finished word and work of God is a grace that has been prophesied to me and prophesied to you that you can stop being useless and step into something that is useful with obedience. And guys, listen to me. Listen to me. It's easy. It's easy. It's already finished. I'm not, I'm, not walking to, I'm not walking towards victory. I'm walking from victory. I'm not doing stuff trying to get God to love me. I'm doing it because he does love me. And this, all this is gird up your loins. Your loins, two things happen. And I, I, I can't explain this. If you're sitting by somebody and they're like, what's he talking about? You can explain it to him in the car. <laughs> Google it later. Two things happen with your loins, basically. Two things happen. It's reproduction. God's saying, the seed I'm giving you, gird up your loins, meaning get ready to reproduce. Get ready to be fruitful and multiply. Get ready to take the seed that I give you and multiply it. Not just your life, but your life and your life and your life. Oh, you want to hang out with me? You want to be buzzed with me? It's going to be better for you because I got stuff I'm multiplying. I've, I'm, I've girded up my loins. So the girding up means I'm getting ready. So if I was wearing like a tunic or something like that, wasn't a tunic. Man, that's a nice, that's a nice tunic. What you do, you, you get the slack out and you get ready. You get ready to walk in full capacity. You get ready to, to that increase and be multiplied. You're getting ready. You're, you're getting ready. And so when you come to the word of God, especially when you come to the house of God with the people of God, with the, with, you need to come ready. You need to come ready. You need to come ready. You need to put whatever out the door, out the door. You need to come in ready. You need to come in and just be, matter of fact, you need to start doing that. Next week, come in and be like, you gird it up. 
You got your gird on? You got to get ready. You, when you approach the word, you got you to gotta gird up. You got to let go of some things. Let go of the malice and the filth and the flesh. Let go of that stuff that's slowing you down. We're getting ready to run. We're getting ready to, God's going to do some stuff. So I need to let go of that. I got to get my gird on. And when I, when I gird up, I'm girding up my loins, meaning I'm girding up God reproducing in my life. I'm going to be fruitful and I'm going to multiply. The other thing that happens with loins is there's a removal on the, on, the, on the backside. There's a removal of waste. And I'll let y'all talk about that later. But the things that, that are useless, there's a way to dispose of them. As you digest the word of God and the stuff, the stuff from the world that maybe you've been eating needs to be flushed down the toilet. There's some things in your life that you just need to flush down the toilet. So for girding up your loins is, God, I want to reproduce your word, your enduring word, your eternal word I want to reproduce. And everything that's temporary, let it go to waste. Let it go to waste. Flush it. And, and go. And I'm, I'm going to go on and, and, and walk with Jesus. And, and so, you know, you look at, um, at some of these scriptures in here. It's just really, really good stuff. Uh, uh, the last thing I want to say to you, real simple. I made a little note about it so I wouldn't forget, is being sober-minded. I felt, I felt there was some juice on that, being sober-minded. That word literally means to the, the staying away from alcohol or wine. It, it, in the definition of the word, it means being free, being free from the illusion of intoxication. I know y'all don't know nothing about that. Being free from it. Some of all, oh, but Jesus turned water into wine. Well, I'm praying for a new miracle, turning your wine back into water. Because the reality is there, there can be spirits that are at work. You say, oh, no, what, I'm telling you, a sober-minded is, is saying, you know what, I'm going to, the Bible says this in Ephesians 5.8, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so in your life, if you're going to gird up and get ready, say, God, I want to walk in all the grace that you've prophesied to me. I want, I want to walk in all the gospel, all the goodness that you have planned for my life. I want to walk in that, God. I want the eternal goodness of God that, has, that was before my before and after my after. God, I want, to, I want through obedience for that to be a part of my life right now. And the way you do that is you're, you're sober-minded. You, you get your gird on, you get like, gird up your loins, and then you're sober-minded. And you start walking in this, this thing of, of, of being sober-minded. And then it talks about do this in fear. And in, write this down to look it up later. Hebrews 12, I believe it's verse 28. It talks about everything that can be shaken, let it be shaken, or it will be shaken, so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. So when difficult things happen and the shaking happens, we don't have to, we can repent and surrender and change our ways before the shaking happens. But sometimes we don't do that until the shaking happens. And, and so what we, when everything's being shaken, what you look at is what's not being shaken. So everything's being shaken, but I look at what's not being shaken. The word that has an anchor, uh, you know, behind the veil that endures. And so God, I want to step into that which cannot be shaken. And it says this in Hebrews 12, 28, 
that by the grace of God, let us walk in the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is righteous and holy and good. The fear of the Lord is the application of the grace of God. The fear of the Lord is not this thing where we're afraid of and it pulls us away from. If we're going to walk in fear, what that means is I respect and I so appreciate and value the grace that God is giving me that the fear of the Lord and the grace of God pulls me close to the word of God, pulls me close to it. Now there's a respect for what it is. There's a respect for who it is and what it can do in my life. Ungodly fear and fleshly fear pushes you away. But godly fear, walking in fear is what draws you to it. The angels look into it and the fear of the Lord causes us to come look into it because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So Lord, I want want to walk in this in my life and and I'm going to change my seed. And worship team, go and come on up. That's I want to change my seed. And that's how you change your harvest. If you don't like your harvest, don't change your, don't change your farm. Change your seed. If you don't like your harvest, don't change your farm. Change your seed. Change your seed. And come and have a heartbeat that says, you know what, Lord? I've been going from failure to failure to failure, and now I want to go from faith to faith to faith. I've been going from useless to useless, spending my time, giving my attention, giving my obedience to things that are useless. And in the backdrop of eternity is a great way to see if something's useful or useless. When I stand before Jesus, is this activity that I'm about to do going to be useful or will it be useless? I want to give my time to things that are eternally useful. Useful. I want to walk in that. So as we come to worship the Lord, this is what I I do not want you to do. I do not. um, Dickie, you do me a favor. You take this over there. I I want to with your awesome cowboy hat on. That's useful. I do not want you to sit there and listen to some music. It's not what this is about. Just like you should have been actively receiving the word of God. You should be actively like like hungry, hungry hippo. Y'all remember that? You actively reach out and grab the stuff that's coming. You grab the word of the Lord. You come ready. You come expecting. You don't sit there and just judge the sermon. You, You get what God has for you to get. And when it comes time for worship and ministry, you you don't just sit here and watch. You don't sit here and just watch and just, oh, I don't like that song. That's not my favorite. I wish they'd I wish they'd sing another song like we're doing request. Like this is a kingdom jukebox or something. This is worship. And the highest form of worship is not a song. The highest form of worship is obedience. Your heart and your life, 
yielded to God. That's why I love the people who, who have a heartbeat. Not, it doesn't matter if it's up here because you can make your chair an altar, but you come and you're, you're laying your heart down. You don't have to come up here to do that, but some of you need to do that. You come and you're laying your heart down saying, God, take my useless things and make them useful. I surrender to you, God. I don't want to do it my way anymore. This sin and this thing and, and this whatever in my life, God, specifically I come and I yield that to you and I receive your forgiveness because I know you love me. But I'm taking responsibility through repentance to say no. No to that which is useless. Because you have an eternal victory for me that's already finished. And I'm not going to let a temporary thing keep me from walking in that. So this temporary reality, I yield to you for an eternal glory. A temporary suffering I lay down for you, God. For an eternal glory. That you'll make it useful. So I yield myself to you. God, use me. God, use me. Use me in this city. Use me in my family. Use me. That's worship. God, I love you. I worship you. I bless you. You're Lord. You're high and lifted up, God. You're the king of my life. You're my redeemer, God. You're my champion, God. Champion of Israel, the Bible says. You're my shield, the lifter of my head, my exceedingly great reward. And in worship is where you remind yourself and anybody else around you and the Lord, the Lord, you're first. And your worship, even if you sing bad like me, or even if you're not comfortable singing, your worship ministers to the heart of God. Your worship, not their worship. Your worship ministers to the heart of God. And I want to... <laughs> I want you to gird up your worship loins. And I want you to forget about yourself. And I want you to see Jesus high and lifted up. The train of his robe filling the temple. And I want you to humble yourself and worship the Lord. I want the altar team to come up. We have people that are up here during this first song that if you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, they're here. You can come pray to them. And all through worship, you can come to the altar. You can lay on the floor. I don't care what you do as long as you do it unto the Lord. And you let him be first in your life. So Lord, as we come before you, we thank you for the grace that has been prophesied to us. We thank you for the hope, which is the confident expectation of what your grace will accomplish in our life. That's hope. And so, God, we put our hope in you. We put our hope in you. And as we worship you and lift you up and magnify the Lord, Father, I pray by your spirit, you minister to the hearts of your people. Let shame be broken off. Activate a faith that moves people in this room and watching from home from failure to faith, from uselessness to usefulness by the enduring word of God. 
Amen, and so be it. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.